Turn with me to two openings, please. Proverbs, they'll put it up on the screen for us. And then Luke. We've been looking at scriptures all uh, this week in the book of uh, Proverbs chapter 28 and verse 20. And then we're going to Luke chapter 16. We've been talking all this week about next level. The Lord's been talking to us here at the church in this ministry for over a couple of years now about the next level and about going to a whole uh, another level in ability and reach and scope. And so many times when people think about reaching another level of ability and reach, they think, well, the main thing we need are resources. I need money. I need stuff. I need partners. I need, and that's not true. That's not so. That's not the main thing you need. In Proverbs, the 28th chapter and the 20th verse is the main thing you need. <laughs> the Bible said, A faithful man shall abound with blessings. Hallelujah. But he that makes taste to be rich shall not be innocent. What kind of man or woman is going to abound with blessings? Faithful man. Let me read some of the translations. Young's literal says a steadfast man has multiplied blessings. The complete Jewish Bible says a trustworthy person will receive many blessings. People who can be trusted will have many blessings, the easy to read says. Our main objective is not to be rich. Our main objective uh, concerning these things is to be blessed. And to be blessed so that we can be a blessing. Resources, ability to help people. Who's going to get that? In abounding measures. Faithful people. Faithful people. Somebody say faithful. Should you be greatly interested in being faithful? Luke the 16th chapter. We went over in some detail. Luke 16.10. And if you haven't been with us on the previous nights. The previous messages are available. You can go back in the word supply tonight. It's your CD or DVD. You can go online. It's one of the quickest easiest ways. Download it. Won't cost you anything. Get caught up with us. How many that have been here would tell them it'd be worth their time to, to get into this? It's, I believe it's very, very significant, important. I, I count it that the Lord has heard our prayers and answered them in ministering this to us. In Luke 16, 10, it said, Jesus said, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much, and he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Verse 11. If therefore you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? Now, this is the opposite of how some people think. Many have said all oh, these natural things, you know, money and things and natural stuff down here, natural jobs down here, that's just natural. God don't care about that. He only cares about spiritual things. 
And so all I've got time for is spiritual things. But that's the opposite of what Jesus said. Jesus said if you're not faithful with the natural things, you don't qualify for true riches. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to show that clip last night of Brother Hagin, where the Lord spoke to him and he went into great detail about how on one occasion the Lord dealt with him to give a preacher $12.50 and how he struggled and struggled, but he did. And then on another occasion, the Lord dealt with him to give a preacher $10. And it was almost all he had, and he wrestled with it, but he did. And then not too long after that, he was at a, a woman's house that had been given up to die, couldn't even get off the bed, and the Spirit of God used him, and that woman was raised up and healed. And on the way home, he said the Spirit of God spoke to him. To what to him, he said, was an audible voice. And he said, the Spirit of God said, if you hadn't obeyed me on that 1250, and if you hadn't obeyed me on that $10, I couldn't have used you here tonight to get that woman healed, minister that woman's healing. Now, isn't that what Jesus is saying right here? If you hadn't been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, what's the unrighteous mammon? That $10, that $12.50. What's true riches? Spiritual manifestations. People saved, people healed, revelation that changes lives, the anointing of God manifested that changes lives. That's true riches. But if you're not faithful with the natural thing, then you don't qualify to handle the greater thing, according to Jesus. And the next verse, verse 12, he said, and if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own. And I want us to camp on this one some tonight. I believe this is the direction of the Lord. If you've not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Faithfulness is so important, such a significant part of the plan of God, that I can see that the enemy has gone to great lengths to confuse people about it. And to skew things. And twist things. And I can see just in this week. More light than I've seen before. How that many. Have changed. Faithfulness. Into diligence. In their mind. Faithfulness. Is being diligent. Doing the very best. They know how. Working hard. That's being faithful in many people's minds. Do you think so? But that is, do you think a lot of people think that's what I'm saying? But that is not what the word reveals. In uh, 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and the first verse, if we look at the definitions of uh, the words that are translated faithful, Hebrew and Greek, they basically mean to be firm, to be sure, to be stable, to be permanent. And we read in the proverb where trust in an unfaithful person was like a broken tooth or a foot out of joint. What does that mean? That tooth wasn't firm. That foot wasn't firm. What does that mean? When you went to rely on it, rest on it, 
it didn't hold up. And to me, two of the key words that we would use today to describe what faithfulness really is would be reliable, dependable. I think you could sum it up like this to say you can trust it. But trust it to do what? We need to go into more detail. In 1 Corinthians 4.1, he said, Let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. He was talking about stewardship there in, in Luke 16. Moreover, it is required in stewards, not optional, not suggested. What? It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithful. Let me read some other translations. The New Century says, In this way those who are trusted with something valuable must show they are worthy of that trust. Today's English says, The one thing required of such a servant is that he is faithful to his master. The Living Bible, let's put it upon the screen, says, Now the most important thing about a servant, this using that word instead of steward, is that he does just what his master tells him to. That is faithfulness. You hear how quiet it is? That is faithfulness. And that meaning has been largely lost with many people. Because your flesh doesn't want to hear that you're to do exactly what you're told to do. That very phrase irritates your flesh. (laughs) Real faithfulness, we found out, is not common. It's not everywhere. Psalm 12 said that the faithful fail from among the children of men. And Proverbs 20 said, verse 6, Most men will proclaim his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. It's not that you say you're faithful. It's the people that you're supposed to be helping. It's what they say. Uh Right? (laughs) And when we say faithful, faithful to do what? Faithful to do what? Faithful to do what? Exactly what they were instructed to do. Listen to these. I'm reviewing just a little bit for those of you that weren't here. And also for those that were here, this will just get it in you stronger. Faithfulness simply means you can trust them. You can trust them. And uh, is God faithful? How about let's let's talk about that. Is God faithful? Is he reliable? Is he sure? Dependable? Can you count on him? Yes, Yes, you can. He's completely faithful. But now on the other side of this, he needs to be able to count on us. Doesn't he? We talked earlier this week about being one of God's go-to guys or girls. Right? How many want to be one of God's go-to men or women? When he needs something done, he needs it done right now. He needs somebody that's not going to mess around and change it and play around. He can tap you on the shoulder. 
And you'll do it and you'll do it now. And you do exactly what he said. I think somebody ought to say that. Raise a hand and say it out loud. God, God make, me make me one of your go-to people. That's my heart. That's my desire. Well, it won't just happen because you had a thought overnight. You'll have to exercise this. You and me will have to exercise this as a lifestyle. And then when something comes up, we'll be ready. We'll respond the right way. We saw that uh, concerning Samuel. When Eli was removed and Samuel was put in, God said, I'm going to raise up a priest, a steadfast priest, that my heart and my soul he will do. Concerning David, he called him a man after his own heart. And in Acts 13, the Amplified says, David's a man after my own heart. He will do all my will and carry out my program fully. What's a man after God's own heart? Well, somebody that will do what he wants, the way he wants it. Very simple. And yet, when we saw the key to miracles, is what Jesus' mother told him, whatever he says to you, do it. And yet, if it's so simple, why is it so challenging for folks to do? We saw that the spirit of disobedience is uh, permeating this world. And there's actually pressure brought to bear by the enemy on your flesh and unrenewed mind. And you'll see people that'll flare up and um, get irritated for no good reason, just because they didn't think somebody told them in the right tone of voice. And their initial response without even thinking about it is no. No, I don't have to. You can't make me. Ain't going to do it. Not going to happen. (laughs) that is the spirit of this world according to Ephesians and the pressure and the feelings and the emotions will come to you and me and we got to resist them how many believe you got to resist it resist the devil and he'll leave you and flee from you give him no place in these things now go with me if you would please to the book of Daniel Book of Daniel. And I want us to begin to talk about further about exactly what faithfulness is. And what you'll see in this, well, let me just read it first. Daniel 6 and verse 3. Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. What kind of qualities would make up an excellent spirit? Reckon faithfulness would be one of them? And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. You know something you'll find joined to faithfulness? Favor. There's more to favor than confessing I have favor. Faithfulness is directly connected to favor. Does Daniel have favor with this man, the king? King's thinking about putting him over the whole thing, right? And notice in verse 4, the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel 
They looked to find something wrong with him concerning what? The kingdom. Whose kingdom? This kingdom that this king was king of who thought to put Daniel over his affairs. King Darius. The Bible said they sought to find occasion and they could find none occasion nor fault. How much could they find? How much? Concerning what? Now here's where the enemy has skewed things. What could they not find any fault with him about? Concerning his work in the kingdom under King Darius. Darius, ever how? Him. (laughs) Now, what does that mean? That means they put spies on Daniel. They followed him around. They searched his house. They did all kind of things. Today, they would have bugged the place. They would have put my little microphones and cameras and they would have taped everything. What are they looking for? They are looking to catch him saying something bad about King Darius or to find out that he is pocketing some money or he's doing something for himself in his affair, some kind of something. And how much could they find? They couldn't find a thing. Why? Because he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. He was faithful to two people. Two people. Can you tell me who they were? God and who? And the king he's working for. Faithfulness to God involves faithfulness to people. You can't be unfaithful to people and faithful to God. I'm going to pause for effect. How many know that if you say you love God and you hate your brother, you're a liar? Well, that's true with so many things. It works the same way. Our faithfulness to God is revealed and demonstrated in our faithfulness to the people he assigns us to help. And if we're not faithful to them, we're not faithful to him. Say it out loud. Two people. You're faithful to God and you're faithful to the one he assigned you to. Right? They could not find one thing. Now, now what if, uh, what if we bugged your house? <laughs> what if we put little cameras around your workplace and little microphones? Would, would we be able to find anything that you said negative about your boss or about your supervisor or about your company or about your pastors or your leaders? Because if we can, what is that? That's unfaithfulness. That's being unfaithful to them, the people you work with and work for. But what else is it being? Unfaithful to God because he's given you the assignment of helping them. 
Can you see this, friends? Is this true? Go with me to the book of Genesis, the 39th chapter. Genesis 39. See, many have uh, they've twisted and changed up faithfulness into something that doesn't even resemble what the Bible's talking about. And when you say somebody's faithful, basically you're saying you can trust them. But trust them to do what? A lot of people, you can trust them to do what they think's best for them. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> you can trust them <laughs> that if it gets what they want, they will hang you out to dry. You can trust that. <laughs> but a faithful man and a godly man will commit to his or her own hurt. And they'll keep their word. Come on are you listening? And even if, even if somebody makes mistakes. They won't speak against them. And no matter what happens. They won't work against them. And they won't try to hurt them. That's faithful. Somebody say faithful. Faithful. You remember we, in Luke 16. Jesus was giving the example. Of the man who was a steward. And then he was called. uh, By his master. Whose resources he was handling. And said that he had wasted. And squandered his master's resources. And so he said. You got to give account of your stewardship. You may no longer be steward. Why? Because he's not handling. His master's resources. With his master's interest. In mind. He's treating his master's resources like they're his own. Somebody say unfaithful. Unfaithful. To do with whoever how he thinks. Unfaithful. Now why are we talking about all this? Did you remember our text? What kind of man or woman is going to abound with blessings? What's God been talking to us about us all week? He has plans for you and me. Big plans. He wants to put big resources in our hands. Come on, are you listening? He wants to give us a broader voice and a broader reach. But if we're not faithful with what we got right now, we don't qualify for that. And he, he wants us to not disqualify ourselves. He wants us to be qualified so he can do it. Can you say amen? Joseph is such an example of a man who is a, an anointed, wise administrator, somebody who's spiritual and understands visions and dreams, somebody who's so wise as far as handling affairs. But I think a big thing has been missed here. Big thing. Joseph was not just promoted because he was a good administrator. God doesn't promote based on talent nor tenure. Everybody hear this. God does not promote based on either talent, that's ability, that's skill, nor tenure, experience, how long you've been doing it. 
God doesn't promote based on those. Tell me what he promotes based on. Faithfulness. What is faithfulness? Not just being diligent. Not just being good at it. I know through the past 30 years. Phyllis and I. I don't mean one time or twice. But any number of times. We've had people that get perturbed with us. Because we didn't turn something over to them. We've had people we don't even know. Total strangers. Come up and say, the Lord has sent me to take this over for you. <laughs> you don't think that's good? <laughs> One guy was kind of challenging Phyllis just a few months ago about something, you know, concerning the Florida church and, and about, you know, how he was qualified to do this and that. And she said, I don't know you. <laughs> He's never been faithful to us. We don't know him. See, people think because they have skills, because they have ability, they should be promoted. They're bringing ungodly, worldly thinking into the church. That's not how it works in the church. It's not how it's supposed to work in the church. That's not how God does it. Just, I don't care how skilled you are. God don't promote you because you're skilled. I don't care how long you've been doing it or how good you are at it. It's not, can you do the job? It's, can we trust you? Can we trust you? Trust you to do what? Trust you to be honorable before God and trust you to have our back. I, years ago when I was working, began working at the healing school there at Brother Kenneth Hagin's ministry, I saw this. I didn't know it at first. But I had people that would come and say, I, I, God sent me to help in healing school, and I got healing on my heart, and, and I've got ministry on my heart, and I want to learn, and I want to develop. And after uh, learning some things for a few years, I realized that's not enough. That's not enough for you to help me, that you got healing on your heart. You know what else they need to have? Me on their heart. Well, no, I know God and I got a call and I've had people say, you know, God sent me here to help you in this thing and and take care. And it's obvious they don't respect me. It's obvious by the way they talk. They're always, they find fault with half everything I preach. And yet they're indignant that I don't turn something over to them. I'd be a fool. Is that right? I'd be a fool to do so. It's not just faithful to God. It's faithful to the person or persons that God has joined you to and assigned you to help. And in being faithful to them, you're faithful to him. Joseph was not promoted just because he was an amazing administrator and super wise and had discernment. I want you to look, of course God was in the whole thing, but I want you to look at one of the big factors. Joseph, Genesis 39, are you there? Genesis 39 and 4. Joseph, you know, has been sold into slavery. Potiphar has purchased him. And the Bible said Joseph found grace in his sight and served him. Now let's just stop right here. Is this favor? Grace in his sight, that's favor. What do we know is going on without reading the rest of the verse? Joseph is what? Faithful to who? 
See, a lot of folks are just always faithful to God. He's not just faithful to God. He's faithful to the one he's working for. Whose resources is he handling? Potiphar's. Do you reckon Potiphar was the most godly man you ever worked for? He's an Egyptian. Right? And yet, apparently, the longer things go, Potiphar comes to find out, I can trust this man. And so he keeps turning more over to him. And keeps turning more over to him. He made him overseer over his house. And all that he had, he put in his hand. Is this the principle of God? The more faithful you are, he just keeps turning stuff over to you. Just keeps turning stuff over to you. We've had people get indignant with us. Well, I've got X amount of years of higher education. I've been on the job doing this for 30 years. Why don't you just quit micromanaging me and turn this over to me and let me take it? It ain't about what you can do. Are you faithful? Can we trust you? And that has to be proven. And it starts off with small things. And it has to be proven between us and God. And it starts off with small things. Say it out loud. God doesn't promote. promote Based on talent. talent Or tenure. tenure. Do you believe that or not? Is that in the scriptures? Keep reading. It came to pass. From the time that he made him overseer in his house. And over all that he had. The Lord blessed the Egyptian's house. For Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house. And in the field. And he left all he had in Joseph's hand. He knew not all he had. Save the bread which he did eat. Did he turn stuff over to Joseph? He kept on turning stuff over to Joseph. Until he turned everything over to him. Now see a lot of people want that don't they? I'll take care of it for you. You won't even have to think about it. We've had several people come and tell us that they would take over our accounting department for us. <laughs> Some of them never even, the first time we ever met them. Yeah, God sent me to run your accounting department for you. <laughs> Are there a lot of people, they want to be treated like they've been faithful. And they have not been. Can you see this? They almost demand that you give me place and give me responsibility, and yet they've proven nothing. In fact, they've proven they've been unfaithful. They had an attitude and didn't do what you told them to do. And if you turn more over to them, you're being very foolish. And obviously, Joseph was faithful. What does Potiphar, how does Potiphar feel about Joseph? Why do you keep turning stuff over to people? He trusts Joseph completely doesn't he why because Joseph is a faithful man isn't he he's a faithful man verse 7 it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said lie with me and he refused and said to his master's wife notice what he said he said my master doesn't know What's with me in the house? He's committed all that he has to my hand. He trusts me completely. Isn't that what he's saying? There's none greater in this house than me. Neither has he kept back anything from me but you. You're the only uh, thing he hadn't given to me. Because you're his wife. 
How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He's saying, Potiphar, trust me. I can't betray that trust. Betraying Potiphar's trust would be a sin against God. But so many times people have totally forgotten about the relationship between Potiphar and Joseph. They just imagine that Joseph is spiritual and God and Potiphar is not even a player in this. The same thing happened when they threw him in prison. Didn't take too long until the head jailer turned everything over to him. Isn't that right? Same thing happened. And same thing happened when Pharaoh had a dream that he didn't understand. And they called him out. Skip over to the 41st chapter. What's the key, saints, to you and me being able to handle more than we've ever handled before? Minister to more people, handle more finances, get more good things in more people's hands. What's the key to that? Us being faithful with what we have right here, right now. And even though Joseph was sold into slavery, did you reckon he could have got bitter because of his situation in life? He's not supposed to be a slave. He goes from favorite boy, favorite son, to slave, owned like a horse or a cow. No say so in what he says or does. But do you suppose if he had let that bitterness fester in him, would that have affected him being a faithful man? No question about it. Which is why the enemy tries to do this all the time. And then when he's thrown in prison, goes from bad to worse. Right? Prison's no fun. And yet we see when he met the, uh, the Pharaoh's baker and butler, you see he springs in in the morning and goes, What's the matter, boys? Why are you so down? They could have said, because we're in this stinky dungeon. We're in jail. One of the sure signs of unfaithfulness is despising what you have now. Being unthankful for what you have now. Because if you despise it, you're not going to be faithful with it. If you're not thankful for it, you're not valuing it. If you're not valuing it, you're not going to be utilizing it to the fullest extent. Joseph didn't feel sorry for himself as a slave. He thanked God for his opportunity and God added to him. Even in jail, he didn't get depressed. He didn't let himself get down and stay down. And he said, there's opportunities here. God's given me opportunities. And God gave him favor. Next thing you know, he's running the whole thing. Right? And then when the Pharaoh called him, and he said, what's going to happen is seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And he's very respectful. And he said, oh, great king, God has shown you what's going to happen. And it's sure to happen because he doubled the dream. And now let Pharaoh find a wise man and set him over it and gather all of this plenty in these seven years and make plans for when the famine comes. And when he got through talking, Pharaoh said, 
I think we found our man. <laughs> That's a Keith paraphrase. Who's going to be better able to handle it than him? And I want you to notice what happened in the ensuing years. In Genesis 41, after he told him that he had made him ruler over all the land and nobody would be have more authority except for Pharaoh himself, he stored all the grain and when the years of plenty were passed and people used up everything they had and they came and they said, "We're what do we do? He, the Pharaoh said, go to Joseph. And in Genesis 47, 13, there was no bread in all the land for the famine was very sore so that the land of Egypt and all the land of Canaan fainted by reason of the famine. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought. And who wound up with that money? And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. Who's he looking out for? Why? That's who he represents. Pharaoh was already rich. But his his net worth skyrockets in these next years under Joseph's stewardship because Joseph is looking out for Pharaoh who pulled him out of prison and appointed him overseer of his affairs. Pharaoh is trusting Joseph, isn't he, to take care of this. And how does Pharaoh expect Joseph to take care of it? The way Pharaoh, the way he would want it taken care of in his interest. And there are times that that may have varied with what Joseph thought, but it's not Joseph's stuff. He's a steward. He's an overseer. I mean, it went on in verse uh, 15. When money failed in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread. Why should we die? For money fails. Joseph gathered all the money throughout the whole country. And now it's Pharaoh's. Joseph said, give your cattle and I'll give to you for your cattle if money fails. So they brought their cattle. And you'll see that uh, he gathered all the livestock. Guess whose livestock it is now? Pharaoh's. And verse 18, when the year ended, they said, uh, we will not hide it from my Lord. The money spent, uh, our Lord has our herds, and there's nothing left except our bodies and our lands. Uh, why should we die, both we and our land? Buy us and our land for bread, and we and our land will be servants to Pharaoh. Give us the seed that we may live and not die. And Joseph uh, helped them out there. He didn't just put them into slavery, servitude. He said, well, we'll take the land. And what happened? Verse 20. So the land became Pharaoh's. Why? Because Joseph is handling all of Pharaoh's affairs. Who's he looking out for? Pharaoh. Pharaoh. Do you reckon Pharaoh was the godliest man you ever were around? That's beside the point. 
If you haven't been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that which is your own? So many have imagined they're faithful to God. But when it comes to helping people, I can't get along with them. I don't like the way they do that. What if they'd have had to work for Pharaoh? <laughs> or Potiphar? They would have had a time being faithful, wouldn't they? <laughs> no, you're not going to find any perfect conditions down here. You're not going to find any people that don't have any flesh and never make any mistakes. But what you can do is serve them faithfully and do what you do as unto God. And he will take it as faithfulness to him. Can you say amen? amen? Go with me to Philippians, please. Philippians, the second chapter. I know some of this doesn't make you run the aisle. But uh, how many think if you do it and get some things changed, you run later? Oh, somebody say glory to God. Why would the Lord be talking to us about all this? Why? Why? He's got plans for us. He's got plans for you and me. He wants to add to us. He wants to enlarge us. What has he got to have to do that? Thank you. I want to get to the other part, but we're not quite there yet. This is bigger. Oh, this is so much bigger than we have thought for. Paul remarks about Timothy. And he calls Timothy faithful. Have you read in the New Testament? Let me read a couple of places to you. I want you to note his faithfulness. I think when people have heard faithfulness, they haven't had in mind what this is actually saying. It's been skewed. It's been altered. They've got this romantic, goofy notion about how Timothy was faithful with Paul. Listen to the, after what we've seen, listen to see what you hear now in these words. 1 Corinthians 4.17, he said, For this cause I sent Timothy, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you in remembrance of what? Of what? Who will share his latest revelation. (laughs) Did I lose somebody? He said, when Timothy comes, he's my beloved son. And what is he? Not just Paul said, but the Holy Ghost here says that Timothy is faithful in the Lord. And he said, when he comes, what's he going to do? He's going to bring you in remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ. There's not going to be any difference between his preaching and mine. Why? Because I sent him. He's representing me. He's going to bring you in remembrance in my ways, which be in Christ as I teach everywhere, in every church. 1 Corinthians 16.10, just over a few pages, you just stay where you are. 16.10, he said, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear, for he works the work of the Lord. How does he do it? As I do. He said, uh, receive him, don't be scared of him, because he, uh, you're going to think you're listening to me. You're going to think I was there. Because he does the work of the Lord just like I do. Somebody say faithful. 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 Now in Philippians 2, look at this. 2.19. Oh friend, let this word get in you. 
It can be an anchor to your soul. Because all of us have flesh. And anybody can be tempted when your flesh is rubbed the wrong way to be unfaithful. But I believe after this week, the Spirit of God's going to quicken some things to you. These verses, these words are going to come up in you. And maybe in times past where you weren't faithful, you will be faithful now. Because you'll also have in mind, all I got to do is get this right and I'll qualify for more. He said, I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly to you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Keep reading. Talking about Timothy now. I have no man like-minded. That's a similar phrase to a man after my own heart. Who will naturally care for your state. What did Paul care most in the world about? He cared about God and he cared about those people. Is that right? And he said, Timothy has a mind like mine. And he cares about you like I do. Keep reading. Why? Did you, now did you notice this phrase? This is Paul's experience of many people that he's dealt with. Including those that wanted to be in the ministry. What has Paul by the Spirit of God found out? For all do what? They are seeking their own. And not the things which are Jesus Christ. Is that faithful? No. No. People are looking for stepping stones. They're looking to get associated with somebody that's known so that they can begin to be known. They're looking to be around some money so that maybe they can get some money. And even though people have learned how to talk the religious talk, when you strip it all away, there's selfish ulterior motive. They want something for themselves. And that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus, is it? That's not the law of Christ. He said they seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Verse 22. But you know the proof of him. That as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. Could Paul count on him? Day in, day out. Does he have to be concerned when he sends Paul to one of these churches? I wonder what that boy's preaching tonight. <laughs> I told him, don't be trying those new revelations out on that baby church. <laughs> I told him, don't get up there and make big pulls for money. I told him, don't ask anybody for anything over there. When people decide, well, I don't care what they said, you know, they're getting old. That's the Moses generation that's not going into the land. I'm the Joshua generation. I'm going into the land. You're the rebellious generation. <laughs> that's uh, not going to be qualified. Hallelujah. Does God love us? Yes. Does he care about us? Yes. You know, there's a real encouraging side to this. The Lord wouldn't be talking to us about this unless he believed we had at least enough maturity to see it, to hear it, and not just reject it, but receive it. Amen. And enough faith to just, oh man, I've been unfaithful and just wallow in that, to say, forgetting those things that are behind, <laughs> right? I'm reaching forward. Right? 
toward the mark for the prize of the high calling, which is what? Being just like Jesus. What's being just like Jesus? Faithful. Faithful. He only said what he heard the Father say. He only did what the Father showed. He said, I don't speak my own words. I didn't come down here to do my own will. Right? Perfect. Highest example of faithfulness. Can you say amen? amen? Glory to God. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to grow up. Stop being selfish babies. Stop being blind to the ways of God. Stop being worldly, ungodly. Hallelujah. And walking even as he walked. Thank you, Master. Faithful, faithful, faithful. That's what the Lord's called me to be. That's what I am. Faithful by his grace, by his goodness. Faithful. God is faithful. He's always been faithful to us. Right? And by his grace, we're faithful to him. In uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter, you know, the enemy didn't want this to come out. He really tried to hide it. But uh, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If you've been here, you heard that we've been talking about uh, believing God for the last couple of years, especially uh, praying and saying, Lord, show us what's you and what's not you. Because there's a bunch of junk in the church that's just got nothing to do with God. And uh, the Lord's answering our prayers. I know a number of the things that I've ministered to you this week. I know I didn't think it up. It came. It just came right up out of my spirit. It came right from him. And I know in some of these, we're on a series now about the way out, about repentance. If you haven't been with us on that, let me encourage you. Get in on that. And there's some other things. And there have been some times that the Lord would give me something. And I'd be sitting at my desk or I'd be praying and, and uh, right in the middle of it. I mean, something to just try to take that away from me. And I realize the devil doesn't want this out. He's scared of this. And so I'd just stir up and focus in. I'd say, Holy Ghost, tell me again. Tell me again. I'm going to get it. I'm gonna, are you believing with me, saints? Ministers in your pulpit. Pastors, ministers, revelation is already working in you this week on a higher level. Do you believe that? I say that by the Spirit of God. Revelation is already coming to you. The enemy will try to keep you from it. He'll try to keep you out of it. Don't you let him do it. Don't you let him do it. Sit out loud, I'll get it. I'll get it. And I'll preach it. And I'll teach it. Hallelujah. 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 And the Lord will confirm his word with signs following. That's why the devil's so scared of it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Which is being faithful, isn't it? Faithful to do what he told you to do. In Matthew 24 and uh, verse 45, 
He said, now leading up in this chapter, Jesus describes the fulfillment of all things. And he describes the end. And what comes after the end is you and I ruling and reigning with him. And what is happening now, whether we're faithful or not, is determining our level of distributorship. You say, where'd you get that? Scripture. In our scripture in 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, where he says, uh, a steward must be found faithful, that word's also translated dispenser. Dispenser. And uh, verse 45, you see it. Who is that faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season? That's dispensing. Isn't it? Distributing. Who is going to be allowed to distribute and dispense? The faithful servant, the wise one. Verily I say to you, he shall make him ruler over all his goods. Even right now, God is trusting us, trusting us to distribute his gospel. We are stewards of the mysteries of God. We are stewards of the light of revelation. We are stewards of the holy truths that were hidden from the foundation of the world that angels and holy men wanted to look into. But they're revealed unto us. And we have the holy charge to handle it and to get it out to the people in your community, in your town, in your city, in our state, in our country, in our world. And how we're handling our distributorship now is either qualifying us or disqualifying us for eternal stewardship in the kingdom of God after this life. Which is why this is at the end of chapter 24 that talks about the fulfillment and the ending of all these things. And who is the Lord going to make ruler over all his goods? Think about it. What we just got through reading about Joseph? Joseph's a type of Jesus. And what happened with Joseph? Potiphar turned everything over to him. Didn't he? And then the jailer turned everything over to him. And then Pharaoh turned everything over to him. And Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, who's the kings he's king of? Who's the lords he's lord of? This is the briefest thing we'll ever do down here, this life. And yet, it is very important because we're qualifying. Hallelujah. And some of the things that we're handling and dealing with right now might seem so trivial compared to that. But the Lord can see a heart 
And he that is faithful in that which is least would be faithful in much, in greater. Go to the 25th chapter, please. The 25th chapter and the 13th verse. Oh, hallelujah. How many believe in just a few more breaths, just a few more days, we're out of here? One way or another. Is that right? Then what's going to happen? What's going to happen? The kingdom of God is a kingdom that shall never end. Eternal. Forever. And ever. And ever. There's a lot that's going to need to be overseen. Who's the Lord going to put over things? Who? People he knows he can trust. People that will do it his way. That has his interest at heart. People that can't be bribed. Can't be bought. Can't be convinced to rebel against him because of their pride. We don't know everything that's happened in the eons before. But the further I go, the more I see this. God has had being after being be unfaithful to him. The devil wasn't always the devil. Apparently in the presence of God. Beautiful beyond description. Wisdom. Riches. Power and influence. He was never denied or deprived or mistreated or tempted. And yet it wasn't enough for him. And he rebelled against God. And he went behind God's back and he influenced many of the angels to follow him and rose in open rebellion against the Almighty who had never done anything except love him and bless him and use him. Well, God's not without feeling and heart. What would that do to you? How would you feel about that? And we don't know how many times this has happened and in how many ways. We know when the planets created and when human beings come on the scene and they begin to fill the earth, it gets so bad. There has to be a flood because everybody on the planet, with the exception of Noah and his family, only think evil continually and they don't care about God and they don't care about serving him, though He created them and gives them their very existence and their every breath. They are totally unfaithful to him. But God always had a plan. And I can see in the ages to come that uh, you and I are the redeemed ones. And if anybody ever came to us a million years from now and tried to get us to talk against God, talk against our Jesus, try to get us to be unfaithful. We've seen what sin does. We've lived in a curse-filled earth. We've seen what a rebellious, defiant, blasphemous generation is like. 
And we never want to hear about it again. We never want to touch it again. I believe we will be a generation that will be faithful to God forever. That we will love him throughout the ages to come. And we will not entertain defying him or rebelling against him. We are called. Have you read in the book of Revelation? Where the Lord on the white horse, the ones that followed him. You know who they are? You know who they are? They're the faithful. That's you. That's me. And we're proving it now. Or not. (laughs) By the grace of God, we're proving it. Right? Because by the blood of the Lamb, we can be cleansed from past unfaithfulness. And His mercies be new in the morning like it never was. Somebody say glory to God. But how many want to qualify? Yes. Did you go to chapter 25? Yes. Verse 13. He said, watch therefore, because you don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. Keep going. The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one. To every man according to his several ability. God knows you so much better than you know you. He knows what you can handle. And straightway took his journey. How many understand this is portraying Jesus and the kingdom? Verse 16. He that had received five talents went and traded with the same. Now the word traded in the Young's literal says wrought or he worked with it. And made other five talents. Was he faithful with the five that he had? Now I gave you a phrase that the Lord gave me just a few minutes ago. What is a certain indicator of unfaithfulness? despising, being unthankful for what you have. What if he'd have said, five? What can I do with five? What would have happened? He'd have wound up being unfaithful. Like the guy we're about to read about. But if you say, what can I do with 20 people? What can I do with a thousand dollars? What can I do with a radio program that reaches a town of 65? Without saying another word, we know why you don't have one that reaches a million. Because you don't value that. The devil's continuously coming, trying to feed you and me, despising. He is the despiser. He tries to run everything down and diminish it and belittle it. He's the belittler. Oh, that's nothing. Nobody knows you. Nobody cares. Get up there and preach your heart out. Those folk yawn and could care less. Look at their watch. They don't care whether you're here or not. If you listen to that and you talk that, you can be sure you're being unfaithful or you're about to be unfaithful. That's the way it goes. Because you don't value what you have. Now, you know, when... uh, Unsaved people are in the house. 
Let's say there's a hundred people. The altar call is given. Two come down and get saved. Ninety-eight leave lost. Does the Bible say the angels weep in heaven over the ninety-eight that left lost? Or would they rejoice? Would they rejoice over one? Over one? What do you think you and I are supposed to do? Gripe about the hundred thousand we don't have? Or shout? Shout about the $38.50 that just come in. Why? Because how you treat this determines if you get any more and when you get any more. And if you despise it, you are shutting off the flow. Gotta get up and go to church. (laughs) Wonder how long you'll go tonight. Another offering. (laughs) Great. See, that's folks who won't get any more and are in danger of losing what they have. Is that what Jesus taught or not? I know the first time I spoke at healing school at Ramo Bible Training Center, I had spoken two or three times on a Wednesday night in a little church thing and, and just nothing that I had any experience of. And Brother Hagin had been speaking there. And uh, of course, you know, at that time even, he had 40-something years of experience and visitations by the head of the church and tangible anointing in his hands. And, and they asked me to speak this Thursday. And, and I had told them, well, I want to do whatever, you know, you need me to do. And so they said, okay, come, come, be ready to speak next Thursday. And I said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. It was a, a lady that was conveying the message from him. And... Uh, as soon as they left, I thought, what did you say? <laughs> Boy, you, you're not ready to preach. These people are used to hearing him, and our guest speakers were people like, you know, Jerry Savelle and Charles Capps, and next week's Keith who? <laughs> and I thought, I thought, Lord, I, uh, I, I started to go back and call, and the Lord said, you better ask me. In my heart, I thought, okay, how about it? And he said, <laughs> He said, talk to me later. Talk to me later. So as soon as I got home, I crawled inside the little closet and shut the door. And I prayed and I carried on. And finally, I ran out of gas and, and just rolled over on my side. And, I, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? I can say everything I know in five minutes. And then if I repeat it, that's just ten. And, <laughs> what, and these people don't need some wet behind the ears practicing on them. They got serious problems. I mean, this is healing school. They need miracles. They don't need me up there goofing around. And I finally got still. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. I don't mean I heard a voice, but it began to come up to me. He said, son, you're comparing yourself with Brother Hagin. The Bible said comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. It's foolish. And sure, you, you haven't been in the ministry as long as he, and you don't have all the revelation, and you, do, you haven't developed an anointing. But you need to rejoice in what I've given you. You need to value it and be thankful. Don't look at what somebody else has and despise what you have. What would you have if the Lord hadn't given what you got to you? You'd have nothing. And what do you have that he didn't give to you? He said, do you remember the little boy's lunch, the five loaves and the two fish? I thought, yes, sir. 
He said, you feel like you just got a sardine and a half a cracker. <laughs> I said, that's about right. That's yes, sir. He said, don't forget, I can take a little and do a lot with it. He said, you hold up your sardine and cracker like it's a full meal. And you thank me for it because it's what I gave you. And you be faithful with what I've given you and I'll add to it and increase it. I'll multiply it. Can you say amen? amen? And I came, spoke that day and I stood up, stepped out. I said, let's pray and thank God. And basically I'm saying, we thank you for this bountiful provision. They had no idea how much faith that was. <laughs> and I preached for over an hour. And verses came to me and illustrations came to me. And at the end of the time, they were sitting there spiritually going, hmm. And I thought, they don't know what a miracle has happened in this place. (laughs) And I've been doing that ever since. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What are you doing With what's in your hand. What are you doing? Let's keep reading this. Likewise he that had received two. Got mad and upset. Because he gave that guy five. Is he supposed to be better than me? I have an MBA. I know people. That's not fair. You gave him five and you gave me two. That's not fair. A lot of people think God's not fair. They wouldn't say it out loud, but they don't think he's fair. You remember the story that Jesus told about the laborers standing out on the square and people working and he sent people out and finally he sent one guy out. The people out, they only worked an hour. And then when they came to get paid and he paid the guys that worked an hour, same as everybody else. What would a lot of people think? That's not fair. You're going to tell God it's not fair. You're going to tell God he doesn't know what fair is. He said, why is your eye evil against me? It's my own. Can I do what I want to with my own? Why are you mad? Because I'm kind and good to him. See, the man that went out lasted for an hour, he's going by faith. He don't know what he's going to get paid, if it's even going to be worth his time. And the more faith and the more trust involved, the more pleased God is. Do you believe it, saints? God doesn't promote based on talent as far as ability, nor experience, nor the world's way of doing. He rewards faithfulness, promotes based on faithfulness. This guy that gained two, how many believed he must have been happy about his two? And not let himself compare with the guy that had five and get all down and think he's been mistreated or left out. No reflection. Does God know what we can handle? And all you got to do is look at how good a job you've been doing with what you got. And that'll answer a whole lot of questions. I'm going to go preach over on this a little bit. (laughs) I talked about this a few nights ago. Phyllis and I have found this out. Thing after thing that we thought we were waiting on God for. And we kept thinking, well, God, why is it taking so long? And man, we're, we're ready to do this. And we're ready to hit this and get into this. And as soon as it happened, we realized, wow, we are just barely 
able and ready to do this. We weren't waiting on him. He was waiting on us. And as soon as we got to where we could handle it, boom, here it is. How many believe that's the case over and over again? That we're not waiting on him. And as soon as we prove faithful in what we got right now, and as soon as we grow and are able to handle it, it'll flow right to you. It'll flow right to you. We don't need to beg and be upset and think we're waiting on him. He must have been happy about his two. Likewise, he that received two, he gained another two. Did he do just as good as the guy that had the five? Absolutely. Verse 18. He that received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. We see one of the biggest reasons why folks are unfaithful. Fear. 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 What if it doesn't happen? What will they say? What will people think? How many remember Proverbs says, the fear of man brings what? It brings a a snare and a trap. We saw Israel not go into the promised land. They failed the possess the land test. And why? They were afraid. They were afraid of the giants. They were afraid of getting killed. They were afraid of, of it not working. And they didn't overcome their fear. So they didn't step out. They they weren't faithful because they were fearful. Keep reading. After a long time, the Lord of those servants comes and reckons with them. Is our Lord coming back? Yes. He's been gone for a while, but he's coming. Is he coming? Yes. Verse 20. And so he that received five talents came and brought other five talents. And he said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. And look, I have gained beside them five more. Glory to God. Verse 21. The Lord said what? Some of the sweetest words in eternity. Some of the greatest words we will ever hear in this life and the next. Come on, do you believe it, saints? How many you greatly desire to hear these words? Come on, anybody here besides me? You, you, I mean, you yearn to hear them. You greatly desire. He said, well done. Come on, can you fast forward? Can you picture Jesus in front of throngs calling your name? You're standing there. You're not old anymore. And your head's not fuzzy and you got no aches and pains. And he calls your name. Susan. John. Bobby. Keith. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. You've been what? You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. I'm going to let you handle my things. Because I know I can trust you. You listened to me and obeyed me. Even when you messed up, you repented and you got it right. You handled my things for 80 years there on the earth. I know I can trust you. 
I want you to look at this. I want you to oversee this for me, Keith. Susie, Bob. You know what you're going to say? I can't say it that loud. You're going to say, glory to God, glory to God. (laughs) Lord, you're going to let me oversee all that? He said, it's yours. Take care of it for me. Somebody say, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Keep reading. 22. The guy that had two talents came. And said Lord you delivered to me two talents. And I gained two others. Glory to God. What did the Lord say? Exactly. Word for word. What he said to the guy that now has ten. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Oh somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Do you think they were happy. That they did something. With what he gave them. Verse 24. Then he that had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are hard. And you reap where you don't sow and you gather where you don't straw. 25. I was afraid. Oh, do you hear this, saints? I was afraid. And I went and hid the talent in the earth. And lo, Here's what you gave me. Verse 26. The Lord answered and said, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. You say you know that? Verse 27. You ought to have put my money to the exchangers and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. You should have at least used it on some level, done something with it. Verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him that has ten talents. If you read Luke's account, the people exclaimed when he said that. And they said, he's already got ten. See, people think that's not fair. The guy that's only got one, you're going to take his one away from him and give it to a guy who's got ten? Absolutely. Because who can you trust with it? You know you can't trust this guy with it. Right? Right. Who are you going to give it to? Somebody you know will do what you want done with it. Will somebody say amen? Amen. Verse 29. For unto everyone that has shall be given, and he shall have abundance. Does that sound like a faithful man? Will abound with blessings. But from him that has not shall be taken away even that he has. I want you to notice something in Luke 19, 16, Luke's account of what Jesus told here. Luke 19, 16, they'll put it on the screen for us. He said, then came the first, said, Lord, your pound has gained 10 pounds. Verse uh, 17, well, thou good servant, because you've been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over 10 cities. 
These cities are going to be just as real as Dallas. Come on, are you listening? Los Angeles, New York, only much nicer. And God is going to look to you and me. And not everybody is going to be over everything equally. The kingdom of, of heaven is not socialistic. It's not communistic. There's not going to be cookie cutter white houses with columns all the same. The Bible said in the resurrection, we're going to differ like the stars do in glory. Some stars are bigger and brighter than others. And God's going to be perfectly just in who he gives more to because they were faithful to him on the earth. They were faithful when others weren't. They put their self aside and did it his way when others couldn't be bothered to get up and go to church. So how many say he will be perfectly just and fair in giving those this authority and this eternal place and glory? Somebody say hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God. Stand up on your feet. Stand up on your feet. Let's praise God for the future. Let's praise God. For the glory of his kingdom. Let's praise God. For his goodness. His righteousness. Oh Lord you're so good. Oh Lord you're so faithful. Oh Lord we worship you. 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 The Lord uh, told Brother Hagin, you know, he, he shared that last night from the video. If you hadn't obeyed me with that $12.50, if you hadn't obeyed me with that $10, I couldn't have used you here with that word of knowledge and that healing and that miracle. I know... Uh, he himself said, the Lord corrected him one time and told him, said, you haven't done what you should have done with the healing anointing. And so he made changes and he changed what he was doing in some of his meetings and I would imagine corrected him. But each one of us should question ourselves, shouldn't we? What are we doing with what the Lord's given us? Because in this world, it's all too easy to get lazy and to quit doing things and just let it slide and get cold and, and be too concerned about what somebody might say or what somebody might think. Did you know the Bible said that when Jesus was on the earth that uh, some of the Jewish leaders believed he was the Messiah? Remember reading this? In John, but they would not confess him for fear of being put out of the synagogue and because they love the praise of men more than the praise and glory of God. So they betrayed their own heart of what they knew was right 
and would not speak up and identify with Jesus, would not step out because of fear and pride. I know years later after the story I told of being able to help in, in healing school, I began to on a regular basis be there to lay hands on people and, and again felt inadequate. Because Brother Hagin had been ministering there with that tangible anointing and the head of the church had appeared to him. And, and yet, I'm learning, don't compare, be thankful for what you got. And, but I, I was convinced it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. And so I, I went into this mode week after week of pleading with God for more anointing. I said, God, what we need in this place is more anointing. Please give me some more anointing. Please, please. Lord, what, what do we need to do? Give us some more anointing. And I, I must have said it a thousand times. Weeks went by. Months went by. And I'm like, God, more anointing. We, we need more anointing. These people, you know, the anointing will, will, will drive away the sickness and, and recover them. And the anointing, the anointing. And finally, one day laying in the floor, the Lord spoke to me about it. He said, faithfulness. Faithfulness. I lay there and got quiet. I thought, I know that's him. And I thought, Lord, yeah, faithfulness, I know that's good. Uh, I'm going to do a study on it. <laughs> Maybe right after this service. But what we could really use right now <laughs> is more anointing. <laughs> more anointing. <laughs> and he said to me again, faithfulness, Keith. Faithfulness. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful in much. Quit begging me for that. Be thankful for what I've given you. Do everything you know to do with what I've given you. Remember Paul said, I magnify mine office. That's not bragging on yourself. It's glorying in what God gave you. I saw it. I quit begging and I sat up there and I, and I found Matthew and I found Luke and I began to say, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me. Thank you, Lord, for anointing me. I don't need to think about anybody else's anointing. It's time for me to minister. I need to be thankful for what he's given me. I need to magnify that. I need to do everything I know how to do with that. And so I talked about it, and I preached about it, and I confessed it, and I thanked God for it. And I'd lay hands on folk, and I'd, I didn't feel a whole lot, but I said, thank God, the anointing's working. And, and, we'd get, and we'd see people get healed too. And year after year after year, and I won't go into all the details, but it began to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger until there were times when it was so strong, could hardly stand up. Didn't happen overnight, didn't happen in a week or two. But what if you just said, I need anointing, I need anointing, I need anointing. No, you got anointing. Actually, the Lord said this to me. He said, all of my children receive an anointing when they're filled with the Spirit. Many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why do they need more? Why would they need more? I want us to, to close our eyes right now. Close your eyes. Pray this prayer if you mean it in your heart. Say it out loud. Father God. By faith I do thank you. For everything you've given to me. Every friend. Everybody that believes in me. 
Everybody that has helped me. I thank you for every revelation. Every understanding. Of the truth of your word. Thank you so much for. I thank you for the anointing in my life. Perceived. And unperceived. And help me to see right now Lord. Anything. You've given me. That I haven't utilized. Anything you've given me. Made available to me. Put within my reach. That I haven't used. That I've ignored. That I despised. Wasn't thankful for. Help me to see it right now. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Father, thank you, Father, thank you, Father. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible talks about the virtuous woman. Her price is far above rubies. It says the heart of her husband does safely trust in her. He has no, no need of concern or harm. He knows she'll do him good and not evil all the days of her life. Does that sound like faithful to you? He knows she's not going to hurt him. He knows. I have such a helpmate, such a wife. Glory to God. She, all the, Everybody that's been around knows she's got my back. She's looking out for me. Looking out for my, my interest. And I look out for her. If you haven't been faithful to people, you haven't been faithful to God. Close your eyes again. The good thing about it is there's cleansing, there's forgiveness, there's restoration, there's renewal, and tomorrow can be bright, bright, bright. Everybody said out loud, Father, forgive me. In any case that I haven't been faithful to those you've joined me to or assigned me to help in anything I spoke against them or worked against them, that's unfaithful. That's devilish. I judge it and I repent. And I receive forgiveness. And I receive cleansing. And I receive righteousness. Restored. Hallelujah. And Lord in anything. We have not done fully. What you intended we do with it. Any opportunity. Any grace. Any revelation. Any gift. Any anointing. Show us, quicken us, and by your grace, we will arise and be strong in the Lord. Hallelujah. And make full proof of our ministry in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord.
the last night of the week of increase meeting, that Friday night, after the service, my heart was bothered. And uh, the next morning, Saturday morning, my heart was troubled and I felt like I had missed it on something. And uh, middle of the day, Saturday, I felt like I got a hold of what it was. There should have been a word that came forth that night, a prophecy concerning that week. And uh, I, for some reason, got distracted, didn't get to it, didn't get it out, didn't give it. And uh, I'll, by faith, I'll endeavor to express it best I know how. The word had to do with Colomo Santa Kivies, Eshne Fieti Pomomaros, Ofe Crebede Elese Onomie. And if he grieves the onoporic in his nijiti ishnifiete, ese coles, esnevoyanis in the peleshi. There are those who have not been faithful. There are those if they don't make changes, if they don't become more faithful, they will miss out and not qualify for that which is to come. And they stand or in danger of losing their place and losing what they have now. But if they'll make the change, they'll join others, others who have been faithful and who now will step up and become even more faithful. And to those that have shall more be given. And they will be promoted and they will have become available to them much more resources under their hand than they have had in time past. And they'll be promoted and they will have more and they will see more and they will know more and they will do more and they will be used more. And they will be allowed precious place and precious proximity to the things of God and to the faith, and to the anointing of the Holy One. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many want to be faithful, faithful, faithful ones that qualify and are promoted and have more? Well, we can be. Every one of us can be. God doesn't reward smarts. <laughs> he doesn't reward you because of your intelligence. He doesn't reward, you, reward us because you worked harder than everybody else. He rewards faithfulness. Faithfulness. And so thanks be unto God. Uh, even if we hadn't been fully faithful, we can be. We can be. We can make changes. We can make adjustments. And we can be. You can be seated. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.